Hey, smart mamas. Welcome to the Scrub Caps and Sippy Cups podcast, a podcast about balancing mom life and work life and everything in between. Being a mama is a hard job. We are three nurse anesthetists reaching out to support and encourage other moms with hectic and chaotic lives. I want to be a nurse anesthetist. No topics are off limits. Relationships, finance, mental health, work. And we aren't sugarcoating anything. No way, or way. This is real life, real moms, real advice. And we want this to be interactive. We want to hear from you, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Hey, Smart Mamas. Welcome back to Scrub Caps and Sippy Cups. This is Crystal, and I'm here with Alan. Hi, guys. And Whoa, we are, I was excited. <laughs> we are missing Lacey tonight. She had something come up last minute and is not going to be able to join us. So we're sending uh, her our love. And tonight we have a really, really cool guest. Her name is Rachel Bailey, and she is a parenting specialist. She has a focus on relatable parenting tips and tools that she's going to share with us today. And you guys... If we didn't need this now more than ever with the crazy unfolding of all the events in front of us, we need it now more than ever, don't you think? Totally. Thank you so much for coming on and telling us what we're doing right and wrong. (laughs) Thanks for having me. So Rachel, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. So I am, uh, most importantly to me, I'm a mom. I have two daughters who are seven and 10. And in addition to being a mom, my background is actually in clinical psychology So the first part of my career, I worked with kids and with teens. I was an ADHD coach. I was going into people's homes and helping with the dynamics, and I was a therapist. But then a few years into my career, I realized, okay, I'm working with kids and teens and parents at the time anyway. There's like no help for parents. And so they were asking me all these questions, and you know, I realized that that we need these practical tools. Like, what do I do when my child is freaking out? What do I do when they're not doing homework? What do I do when they're not getting into bed? So I actually started, I've been doing this for about nine years now. I just really started this business where I help parents and I provide practical tools to help with kids' behavior, but also practical tools to keep us in a good place so that we can actually implement those tools. That is amazing. And I wish I would have known about you six years ago, because that's a long gap that I've been on the struggle bus. (laughs) Yes. Tell me everything you know. Sign me up. I will do a download of my brain. Yes. Oh give my it, God. Give it all. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I know that a lot of the parents right now uh, struggle because we have turned into stay at home parents out of nowhere. And nobody prepares you for this. Like, especially if you come from where we do, where we are always like high earning constantly working women who are very career oriented and just happen to also have a family. You know, one of your big points that you talk about is how to simplify parenting. So right now, like what behaviors should we be focusing on in our kids and addressing um, since, you know, you tend to say you can and you should not tackle it all. You can. That's absolutely right. And it's funny because before everything happened, when we were quarantined, I was focused a lot on like parents were coming to me saying, can you help with this behavior? Can you help make my kids tantrum less? And now they're saying, can you help me just get through this? Like it's so, the questions I'm being asked are so different right now. But ultimately what it comes down to these days is we have to be kind to ourselves first and not worry about all the things that we were worrying about before. Just really specifically, even like screen time. 
I'm telling parents, you know, all those things that you had heard, forget about them. Temporarily forget about them. Like, you know, maybe you said before, two hours a day is enough screen time. Now what I want you to do is say, maybe two hours a day, they're off of the screens. Instead of they're on them two hours, now that's all they need off of the screens for two hours. We'll make sure those are really good two hours, but we've got to shift our expectations right now. I love that. Yeah, because right now, like not being able to go anywhere and really just, you know, depending on the weather and if the weather's good, then great, we're outside all day. But if the weather's bad, like today, um, we were inside and I'm like, oh my God, am I a bad mom? Because Blippi is on for like the second straight hour today. And I just feel like, that's where we have to relax and give ourselves grace because what are you going to do? I mean, even in daycare, like they have the access to things that we just don't have at home. It's exactly right. Yeah. And remember you were saying we're going, we're doing this for like for some of us for the first time, or even those of us who are, who are with our kids a lot, it's, this is still new and different. We can't, we don't, can't have play dates. We can't have our friends supporting us. We can't go, you know, and all gather together. So even those of us, who, those people who are doing it at home, they were at home before and they're home now, it's still different. And when we shift the situation, we have to shift our expectations. A lot of parents are like increasing the expectations. We need to shift the expectations, not increase them. I love that. And I love, it's like yeah. a pass for the screen time because with my daughter, like the school, the program, all the stuff we're doing, most of it's on a computer. It's yes. it's a screen. I'm like, what? I can't. And then I'm trying to, and I'm not a very good first grade teacher, by the way. I don't know how you guys are doing, <laughs> but I mean, this is insane. Yeah. It, that that pass is important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our jobs literally focus on putting people to sleep to avoid interacting with anybody. And now we're like, keep a three-year-old occupied yeah. for 24 hours. Go. You know, it's the complete opposite of what I'm used to. So thank you for saying that and for taking that pressure off because now I won't feel so bad when I have the screen on. You know, sometimes you just need to get things done and you can't unless they're, you know, watching something because otherwise they're hanging all over you and screaming and crying and fighting and it's crazy. That is exactly right. And I do have some tips for how to get things done if we want to go there when kids are home. But ultimately, it's just... You know, we're going to remember this time whenever there's something highly emotional, it gets embedded into our brains. And we kind of want to think, what do we want to remember? Because this is going to be over someday. What do we want to remember about this time that we were getting into power struggles and arguments and fights? Or do we want to remember this is a time where we actually could enjoy our kids for those, you know, hour or two when we could actually be there and focus. So we really want to to make it possible to in, in, enjoy this time, maybe, maybe a little bit ambitious, but not, you know, make this time miserable. Right. Yeah, totally. We have a, a special guest. Lacey was able to join us. So if you guys hear a third voice, that's how it is. Welcome, Lacey. We're so excited to have you today. Yay. Hey, hey. Thanks for, having me. <laughs> Thanks for joining your own podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so my question is, at this time, both my husband and I are working from home and our kids are home from daycare. And so we've got a four-year-old, two-year-old, and we're both trying to work full-time. We've shifted schedules. We've taken shifts. We've done all of that. But what advice do you have for us? On One thing that I have noticed that's worked well for our kids, it seems, is if we give them attention up front in the morning and then they kind of just go like sit for a while and play 
and do their own thing while we can get something done. So what advice do you have about simplifying parenting around trying to still like there's external expectations that are expected of us as parents. Yes, too. absolutely. So let me share my tips that I've been talking about these a lot, how to get stuff done when you have young kids. So the first thing you actually already address something that I suggest, which is to actually have a set time for them when you know you're going to be with them and they know you're going to be with them. And you, it sounds like you're doing it every day, which is great. I even tell parents do make sure it's once a week that you have this set time because if your kid and you just really need to be consistent with this because if your kids know that they're going to get a set time they're actually going to leave you alone more it's when they don't know when they're going to get you that it actually they they come and try to get you more so that's the first thing is have a set time the next thing you want to do is is um have a space where they know that when you're there, you're working if possible. And it's going to be harder with a four and two year old, but I would do something really visual. And someone once suggested um, having like those hotel signs that said like, you know, busy or not busy for a two and four year old, it would need to be a picture, but some separate space. And I'm not saying that the space actually solves everything. But what I say, what I will say is if you don't have that space, then anywhere you are is free reign. So what I would do is have that space. And then when you go in, tell them, when you're going to be done. So let them know I'm going to be done and not by the clock because a two and four year old, even older kids, they don't care about the clock. Say, I'm going to come out when you're done watching this cartoon. Let them know based on their activity. And the last tip that brings all of this together is make sure they've started in something engaging before you go into that space. If you just say, go play, they can't initiate very well. So you have to actually start them engaged and then you leave. So those are some like practical tips for how you can make it easier. I love that. I actually have noticed that today that when they were already doing something or watching something they loved and that's when I walked away, like nobody cared. And I even exactly. said I'm leaving and nobody even like batted an eye. But if I say, okay, I have to do this. Now you go sit down. Then it's like, mommy, 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 mommy. And I mean, totally what you just said came mm-hmm. to life in my house today. Yeah. So one of the things I didn't mention in my, in my intro is that I was actually studying to be a neuropsychologist. So everything that I do is about how the brain works. And I know how kids' brains work really, really well. They are wired for stimulation, engagement, and novelty. So if we stimulate and engage them, they actually don't get distracted by other things. And, and sometimes it causes problems because they're engaged and they don't want to stop something. But we can use that to our advantage. If we engage them in something, then they actually do, they can, they can do that and let us do what we have to do. Got it. I love that. Yeah. I love it. Can you tell us about um, what other things we can do for ourselves as parents right now that have the biggest positive impact either on ourselves or on our kids, um, specifically, you know, to what we're going through now too, if you can. Absolutely. So I would say my number one, I have probably three or four things, but my number one is to Focus on what is in our control because there's so much that's out of our control and take action on those things that are aligned with our values. So let me explain what I mean by this. Let's say we have elderly parents and they're, you know, we're worried about them. We could just sit here worrying about them and thinking all the horrible things that could go wrong. Or we could say, you know what, I need to take action based on my values. So instead of worrying, I'm going to call them and ask them stories about their childhood. Like I'm going to do something that makes me feel good, that is aligned with my values. So instead of wallowing and wondering and being scared and what, what honestly most of the country is doing to feel more in control is going out and buying toilet paper. 
And that's one way to deal with it. That's that's actually what the toilet paper vibe is all about. Is we feel out of control. That makes sense. Why it's all gone everywhere? Because totally. everyone's out of control. Totally. Because it's like I can't. I have no control over anything <laughs> except that we have enough toilet paper in our homes, and we're all going to be okay. So instead of buying toilet paper, figure out what action you can take that is aligned with your values. Whether that's making masks right now, or reaching out to people you love, or my kids are actually making videos for elderly people. Like whatever it is, take action that's aligned with your values you're going to feel much better. I love that. So what do you think we can do with young children to like, should we be doing something so that they will remember this later? Or like, how can we help them remember this? Like they're going to write a paper about this when they're in high school or college or probably both. And you know, I'd like to be able to give them something or like a packet of things like you drew this. This is what we did during your time. Like you can reflect back on this, you know, like what advice oh, do you I love have? that. So if, if we're ambitious and we have extra time and energy, and I find that parents are falling into both camps. There's some that are saying I have a lot of time. And there's some that are saying I have no time. If you have a lot of time, you can really simply create a scrapbook honestly, with some of the things that, that, like you said, the art that they're making, you could create a time capsule where you're just having them put, you know, gather things and you put it together and you're going to open it in 10 years or something like that. Um, if you're not, if you don't have free time, if you're, if you're not in that space, just be snapping pictures every once in a while of what they're doing. Because honestly, we all know the days are running together right now. And if we don't snap some photos, which takes 30 seconds or less, then we won't remember this. It'll all glom together. But yeah, remembering this could be about just either going anywhere from snapping pictures to creating some sort of memento. I've actually been writing like on back of all their crafts and their little like work I'm making them do. I write down COVID quarantine <laughs> because I want to remember <laughs> like why on God's green earth I was making them do these crafts and things at home you know, when we look back and say like, oh, March 2020, like that's when we were all locked away and look at what we did, you know, because sadly to say, I think that people will forget all of this eventually. So I think that at first I'm like, wow, that's like kind of morbid to write that on. I'm like, no, it's not. It'll be a good reminder later. Like this happened in real life and maybe it'll prompt me to give them a little history lesson. Totally. And yeah, we have a, we have a journal, a quarantine, uh, COVID nineteen journal, and she does a, draws a picture every day, or like writes a sentence on how she feels or what she did that day. And I want to be able to that's look back. So and, cool! This is history, you know. Yeah, well, she's it's our history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. I'm talking to parents too about doing COVID nineteen rituals. Things that you weren't doing before you were quarantined, like family walks or maybe pizza nights that a lot of families are doing things they weren't. And whether you keep these rituals or not, it doesn't matter. These were rituals that started during COVID-19 and they can really, this is what you can do to create memories. Absolutely. I love that. Um, So, all right. We know that you are really, really knowledgeable on these two things. So in the moment parenting and proactive parenting, and I want you to tell our listeners the difference between the two and an example of how to fit proactive parenting into a lifestyle that's as busy as ours now or typically. Yes, it's so different now. But so I'm a big believer that in the moment parenting is one of the biggest wastes of our time, that it's incredibly inefficient. When we are constantly reacting to our kids' behavior or their big emotions, that it's extremely inefficient because There's a concept that I teach called yuck. And basically what that means is whenever someone is flooded with an emotion, whenever they're having some uncomfortable emotion, and it could even be that they're hungry or tired, 
or disappointed or frustrated. When we're flooded with these emotions in the moment, we're actually, our brain goes from being mature and responsible and, and rational. We, we get, we, our fight or flight response kicks in when we are in this place. And I call um, these uncomfortable emotions yuck, which are basically an indicator that we're in fight or flight. And when we are in fight or flight, our behavior is not going to be positive or like I said, rational or, you know, or responsible or respectful. And to get someone out of fight or flight actually takes a long time. So when we are in yuck and our kids are in yuck and we're having these power struggles and battles, it's extremely inefficient. So that is what I talk about when I say in the moment parenting. A lot of people say, well, how do I get my kids to clean? How do I get my kids to stop melting down? How do I get my kids to do their homework? If you are trying to do it in the moment, you're wasting time. What I teach is about how do we understand why kids aren't doing their homework? why they aren't able to deal with meltdowns, what is going on for them, and proactively give them the tools they need. And all of a sudden, we do so much less in the moment parenting. And I will tell you that part of the reason I love talking about proactive parenting is that I'm not a particularly good in the moment parent. Like I know what I'm supposed to do because I talk about it for a living, but I'm not that great at it. So I have all these proactive strategies that make my life easier. And that's really what I teach parents. Can you share some of those with us? Absolutely. So just as an example, let's say you want your kids to clean and they're not cleaning up. And you say, can you, um, you know, you're playing in the family room all day. Can you please clean up? And you go into the family room and they're not cleaning. I can almost guarantee if you leave them, they're not going to be cleaning. And so if you recognize that and get to a power struggle in the moment, you're not going to get them to clean. But if you realize that the reason they're not cleaning is because one of the things that kids, I mentioned this before, they are wired for stimulation, novelty, and engagement. So what happens in their brains when they start to clean is that they're picking things up and then it doesn't matter how old they are, their brains get distracted by anything that's more stimulating and engaging and novel. So that's what's happening with most of our kids. You can see it. They're like, they're cleaning and they're like, hmm, I haven't played with that toy in a while. Mm -hmm. That's more stimulating. So they get distracted by that. Same thing happens to me. I can't, I have 10, 15 (laughs) projects going on in my house. I can't, I can't focus. I get it. Totally. Yes. So if we know that going into it, instead of saying clean, we actually teach them how to make cleaning more engaging and stimulating. So if we say something like, okay, grab all of the red things and put them in that bin, grab all the green things and put them in that bin, and you make it a little bit more stimulating or engaging, they actually do what they're supposed to do, and they, that you don't have the power struggles to begin with. And the best news is you can teach your kids how to do this. Like My kids are 7 and 10. I haven't had to come up with the ideas for probably four years they know how to engage. So I'll say, how are you going to clean up today? Or how are you going to brush your teeth? Or what are you going to do to sit still at the dinner table? And they know I don't have to tell them. And then we don't fight about it. Wow. That's amazing. You're literally describing my life. Really, really good (laughs) stuff. Today cleaning. I was like, let's clean up. And then he was like, okay. And then it's like, well, I want to play with this truck. I'm like, why? That truck has been there all damn day. Right. Why now? Exactly. But that, you just described why. And it totally makes sense. Like the three-year-old, they have like very squirrely brains. Totally squirrely brains. And so if you say, okay, put that away with one hand behind your back or with your tongue sticking out the whole time. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Like I have Simon lists. says in. Exactly. Anything that is new or stimulating will work, especially at that age. And yes. you'll seem like a magician and it's not magic. It's just how their brains work. That's Crystal, so Simon good. says, finish your projects. Yes. <laughs> Damn it. Okay. I will. I will. I have plenty of time. (laughs) Oh, I love it. 
So what is, is that the same thing as Band-Aid parenting and long game parenting, or is that a completely different concept? So it's very similar. Band-Aid parenting. So I have a podcast and, and my podcast talks about in almost every episode, the difference between long game parenting and Band-Aid parenting. Band-Aid parenting is the, the traditional discipline methods that we usually use that don't tend to work, the yelling, the nagging, the um, you know punishments, rewards. And I call them Band-Aid parenting because number one, we're trying to address it in the moment. But number two, we're not addressing the reason for behavior. So when we don't address the reason, like why aren't our kids cleaning up? Why are they melting down? Why are they being disrespectful? When we actually know the reason for behavior and we give our kids the tools to do better, all of a sudden we're not dealing with these behaviors over and over. So Band-Aid parenting is having to deal with these. We're doing these short-term fixes like a Band-Aid. And long-game parenting is about figuring out what's the cause and proactively teaching kids the tools they need. And also the only last component of long game parenting is addressing our own yuck, addressing our own triggers, because a lot of band-aid parenting happens because we are triggered by our kids' behavior. Yeah. I love that. Like we have had other parenting specialists on who describe to us certain methods to use that have also been very helpful, but I'm a big like science behind everything person where I'm more likely to stick to something or do something if I understand why it is the way it is. So I love that I'm able to implement those methods, but also simultaneously understand what you're saying. Like this is why the kid's doing it. And it almost makes it easier to implement different methods because I'm not just like throwing spaghetti at a wall. You know, I'm totally getting like, why are we not doing this? And you, I thank you for opening up my eyes to that, that there's a reason. It's not just because they're a toddler and they're being annoying. That's absolutely right. And what's interesting is that when you know the reason, you also have more compassion. Mm -hmm. And if you know that the reason they're Mm -hmm. doing that is because, hey, their brains are wired for stimulation, that's not stimulating. Instead of getting mad at them, you can say, oh, no wonder. Okay, well, I'll help them create stimulation. And you're not as annoyed with them. You don't get, you don't go into yuck in your fight or flight response Mm -hmm. when you understand it. I love that. So I know, Rachel, in this whole current situation, we're all just kind of figuring it out and we're all emotionally exhausted and just mentally drained. How would you suggest we take action to be the parents we want to be during this just crazy time? And what can we do to help with the mental exhaustion and fatigue? If I could add to that question, how I think what you're saying, Crystal, is is being present. Like, how can we be like present for our kids? Is that what you were getting at? Like, how can we be present for our kids, even though we're so, like, out of it? (laughs) Well, I just wanted to address, like, parenting fears and mental drains so we have the emotional space and energy to be the parents we want to be. Yeah. So I think, first of all, working on our our mental drains. And I could talk about, too, Lacey, I can talk about the the present, too, because I think those are great questions, both great questions. So if we talk about, first of all, the fact that we are so drained, my biggest piece of advice is to think about one parenting value, one, just one, whether it's I want to connect with my kids more, I want to um, be present for 10 minutes a day, choose one value, assign an action to it, and try to do that and let the rest go. And stop trying to be the, the screen time enforcer and the how much sugar are you eating enforcer. This is temporary. Thank goodness this is temporary. And I'm saying to a lot of parents who would like freak out when I say that, I'm saying make what I call a later list and put all the things on the later list that you, you promise your brain you will address later, but not right now because we can't do it right now. So pick one value, one action aligned with it 
and, and it should be an action that's very simple and just do that. And every night when you lay your head down on the pillow, say, did I do that one thing? If I did score. Yeah. So not all the things right now. Not all the things. We always are trying to do hashtag all the things, but right now we're just trying to do one of the things. <laughs> it's exactly right. One I, re- I really like that with the list and the later list because then you can get it all out and it's just, it's on a, it's a visual you can see to come back to later. And then you can just have your one, your one focus action. I like that a lot. Thank Absolutely. You. Because our brains actually, I'm doing a whole training right now. I have a parenting academy and I'm talking about mental clutter. And if we don't get it out of our brains, it will, it, you know, those energy sucks that we have, like, like what's running in the back of the computer, yes. mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. all the energy out and you don't even realize it. If you don't make that later list, it'll just stay in your brain and take so much energy, that mental yes. load that we carry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am a big like encourager of all the parents I work with, write stuff down in one spot so you don't lose it all, write <laughs> it down because our brains are not meant to store. Our brains are meant to process write it down. Yes. I just read that somewhere and I implemented it. It's called, well, I read that it's called um, a brain dump and you literally put it on paper, like dump your brain onto a sheet of paper. And that's exactly what they said. What you just said, Rachel, that your brain is a computer processor. Your computer is so slow if you have a hundred thousand files on it because it can't process anything. So your brain is not meant to be a filing cabinet. It's meant to process things quickly. And if you brain dump all of your like stuff onto paper, it works so much faster. And I've been doing it for the past like four weeks. And I am so productive when I do that because otherwise I was spending my days like got to do this, got to do this, got to do this. And it's all up here. And then when I would forget something, I would be so hard on myself and be like, God, like, again, I forgot it. Wouldn't like you get so mad. And then it just like you get mad at your kids because you're on edge. And it, it completely changed my like, like my feelings about myself when I dumped everything out of my skull onto a sheet of paper. And it's so simple. You think it's so silly, but I mean, it's, it was very, very life-changing for me. It really is. And and really it's anytime we're working like that, this is the phrase I use all the time. We're working with our brain instead of against it. What you did is you're working with the way your brain works. The brain likes to be efficient and it likes to process. Mm -hmm. So when you are dumping everything else, it can process. You feel better. You act better. Absolutely. Just like I was saying with the kids work with their brains instead of against them. Yeah. The anxiety I feel like was always riding so high because I was like, don't forget this. Don't forget this. Don't forget this. And you, I felt like that person, if you guys have ever seen the video of the man spinning the plates, like I just (laughs) kept running back and forth trying to keep all the plates spinning from falling over and breaking. And that once I brain dumped, I'm like, wow, like what a load came off of me. It's crazy. And yeah, go ahead, Crystal. You want to say something? You know what I've noticed is back in the day when everything was paper and pencil and you had your folders and and you wrote everything down. I felt much more organized and granted I didn't have kids then. But now the shift with everything's digital and computer and you just kind of tab it in your phone and I just feel like my list gets lost there. I feel better if I have a list written on paper than if I just have one in my phone. Do you guys feel that way? Totally. Yeah. yeah it just feels totally. good to write it down. Definite definite I, pen and I paper totally person. Agree. My grocery list is Always yeah. on paper. Yeah. Just everything uh-huh. I have to do. Like people, I literally brain dump <laughs> everything. Like text so and so, write down this, go do this, organize this, fold this. And I even got this journal and it starts every day with writing three things I'm grateful for, which really has 
taken a lot of anxiety off of my plate because I'm, I start my day positive versus like this sucks and this sucks and this sucks. And then I write down like five things I have to accomplish that day. And at the end of the day, I can look back on that list and be like, Oh crap, I forgot that. And then I check it off and I do it versus going to bed. And the next day we can be like, Oh, I forgot yeah. it. And there goes my negative right off the bat. Like I, it's so different. The life is, it is the, different. Is it the start today journal, Rachel Hollis? No, one it's, I, use. Um, I love it. It sounds like the same thing. Mine is a daily deposit, but I mean, same idea, like start with what you're grateful for, write down what you have to get done. And then you're not like holding yourself to this standard that you're never going to meet because it's not like it's just you and you have like a few things to do. I mean, you're thinking for yourself and your kids and your husband and your patients and your in-laws and everybody else. And it's, I mean, you're, you're just not supposed to work like that. Your brain is not designed for that. So you automatically set yourself up for failure. One of my favorite things to do with parents, they come to me for their kids' behavior, but I have a program called Overcoming Overwhelm, which is where I talk about how to reduce the clutter in your calendar and on your mind. It's my favorite thing to do. I mean, I could give you parenting tips, you know, till I'm blue in the face, but if you feel overwhelmed as a parent, you can't implement any of those tools. So I love the strategies you're using, Ellen. Those are great. And so is that what um, brings you to your topic of being honest about parenting resentment? Like, do you find that a lot of parents resent parenting because of all of their outside yucks or issues that they're dealing with for themselves that are affecting their kids? Absolutely. I think that resentment is one of those emotions that almost always we can track back to one thing, and that is a lack of boundaries, very honestly. We become resentful when we don't have boundaries. And often we don't have boundaries because we have so many things on our list. But we're resentful of our kids, let's say, for not cleaning up after themselves. But if we're not enforcing the boundary that you have to clean up for your, after yourself, then we're gonna, we get resentful. If we set that boundary, and that's one of the things I teach, how do we set boundaries so our kids listen? But if we set that boundary the resentment goes away because our kids actually do it and the resentment mm-hmm. goes away. Or if you're resentful because your spouse is on the, their phone all the time, well, you have to say to your spouse, I need you to be off the phone. Otherwise, you're going to just be harboring this resentment. Yes. Resentment is definitely something that is also a mental drain on us. In, in addition to the other things we were talking about, it's a drain to be resentful. So at this time, you know, I feel like myself personally operate on like a baseline of overwhelm and now with everything else going on, it's just like sky, like exponentially skyrocketed. Where can parents start to like take that on and kind of reduce that overwhelm? Because we're, if you're already overwhelmed and then a pandemic happens, it's just, out of control. Out of control. <laughs> yeah. So the first thing you want to do is actually what we were talking about. My number one rule for overwhelm is do a brain dump. Absolutely get it all out of your head. Then what do you do with everything? And when I say brain dump also, it's not just your tasks, but it's your, you know, unfinished worries that you have. It's like everything that's in your head. What I say to people about brain dumping is write. And then when you stop writing, wait a minute and write some more because you have more in there. Just get it all out. The second thing I do is talk about breaking up everything that was in your brain into two columns, what I can control and what I can't control. And then focusing on taking action over what you can control. And sometimes you have to prioritize. That's the, that's the last piece I just want to stress. So it's brain dump. It's focusing on what is in your control. And the last thing that 
on a hundred percent of the time is going to create overwhelm is when we are not prioritizing. When we are saying every single thing that I do is equally important, you are going to feel overwhelmed. What you want to do instead is prioritize what is the most important thing. And so the question becomes, well, how do I decide what is the most important thing? And what you want to do is begin with the end. This is a Stephen Covey principle. Begin with the end in mind. You prioritize based on where you want to be in six months. If in six months you want your health to be better, that's what you need to focus on right now. If at the end of this quarantine, you want to be closer as a family, that needs to be your priority. If you're if at the end of this quarantine, you want to make sure you have your job, that needs to be your priority. So you need to think about where do I want to be and what which of these is the most important to get me there. Does that make sense? And then how do you actually implement the prioritizing? I feel like you can, yeah, you can say it, but then life's just an explosion of chaos. How do you actually? That's boundaries, right? Honestly, okay. once you decide the way it's boundaries, but it's also, here's the other big piece of this is we have two parts of our brain. We have the prefrontal cortex, which is the part of our brain where our morals and our values live. And then we have our fight or flight response, which is our squirrel brain right? It's our, it's our brain that says, oh my gosh, it's going to feel bad if I set a boundary. I don't want to feel bad. So then we get distracted from what we originally decided. If we can set our priorities, priorities with our prefrontal cortex saying, this is what matters to me. And then when something distracting comes up, we actually learn how to manage those distractions. That's when we actually feel our best. The problem is we keep having the squirrel brain and we, then we get off track from our values. And we can't do what feels good. And that's when we feel not only overwhelmed, but bad about ourselves. Does that make sense? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I feel like you it. just like lit us up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. So good. Yeah. The people that are happiest, honestly, are those, this is, it's very simple. Those who've decided how they want to be based on their values or whatever they're using and just don't get off track because they know how to manage distractions. They know how to manage discomfort and they just stay on track even when it's uncomfortable. They stay on track. They meet their goals. That's, it's pretty simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. Absolutely. Lacey, did you have any other questions or Crystal before we wrap up for tonight? Um, Anything personal I- to you? So I just wanted to ask your take on my daughter is in six years old. She's an only child. And this is hard on her. Uh, as I imagine it is on everybody and all the kids, but it's it's really hard on her. Like we'll go outside and all the neighborhood kids are out playing that she would normally play with and she can't play with them now. So she's literally like in the driveway watching, you know, all the siblings across the street play. And her, she's just like her, I feel like she has a little broken heart and it's just like killing me. What can I do to make this better for her? So I will tell you that your goal doesn't need to be to make it better. Your goal needs to be because you can't make it better. You can't all of a sudden say, okay, you can play with them. Your goal needs to be to help her through her feelings. And the most powerful thing we can do as parents is to actually be there for our kids when they're feeling these things Mm -hmm. so that they go through them and they're not alone. So you can say something like, you know what? It's really hard when you're seeing everybody else playing And I I can't tell you that you can play with them, but what I can tell you is I'm right here with you and we're going to get through it together. I love it. The most powerful thing we can do. Yeah. Yeah. And it takes the pressure off of you, Crystal, too, because it's like, you can't make it better. You're holding yourself to the standard that is impossible 
for you to meet. And like, as a parent, you feel like crap about yourself because your kid's upset and you're like, oh, I just need to fix it. You can't fix this. I love that, that you're just taking the pressure off of Crystal and everyone going through this. Like, we can't fix this. That's It's probably one of the first times you're experiencing this, that you can't fix something for your kid, but you can give them the the strength and the support to move past this. And the, I guess that they'll learn from this and like how to cope in the future with disappointment and, mm-hmm. you know, everything else. Cause this ties back to like, everyone doesn't get a trophy and like, sometimes life is really tough. And right now this is tough, but we're sheltering them and she's sick. So she's like, really like gets it now yeah. because she's not in school and she can't play with her friends. Like my kids have no idea why the hell they're home. Or why they're not in daycare. <laughs> they couldn't care less. They're like, whatever. Same as my dogs. Like my kids and my dogs on brain level are the same right now. They're like thrilled that everyone's together. And that's the, it. sometimes they ask, you know, can we go to the grocery store? And I just say, no, there's germs everywhere. <laughs> but <laughs> that's what my daughter, six. she gets it. She calls it the germ. Every night we say our prayers and she asks God for help with, please help us with the germ. That's and cute. It, it's just I know, but Rachel, I love how you presented that, uh, and it takes you back to the list. Make a list of what you can control, mm-hmm. what you can't control, and what you can and can't do. Yes, that's where I the anxiety that comes from. That. Yes, really. Yeah. Focus <laughs> on what is in your control. What is yes. in your control is to be there for your daughter. I'm so glad you connected that. Yeah, yes. and I love that. You know, I can say for myself, I can't speak for Lacey and Crystal. When we were hopping on here today, I had the idea that we were going to come on with, you know, a parenting specialist that was going to give us some new methods to deal with things. But I love that you didn't give us any methods. You gave us like, you tapped into the feelings. And I don't know if it's because you're a woman or because you're a mother or because you're a great neuropsychologist or what are all the things, but you like really took us down to what we're doing for ourselves and until we can fix that and take care of that, you can't be a good parent because you're not being good to you. And I love that you like totally took us there tonight and really, I mean, you tapped into a place in my heart that really needed help and I didn't even realize it. I thought we were going to take a different direction today. Oh, well, I'm glad it was helpful. Thank you for that feedback. Me too. I had tears in my eyes. I mean, I'm a crier, but I legit <laughs> teared up. Like you, you touched my heart. I like that. Yeah. Thank you for that. I know you got everything you said today is really going to resonate with all of our listeners. A lot of the women in our group online are really struggling right now with all the pressures, whether that be, you know, they are all of a sudden unemployed stay at home moms, fully unprepared, or if they are working through this 24 seven and having to go home to their families with all the stresses. So I hope that they take this and really take some of the pressure off of themselves. Cause I know we carry a lot of it. It's the type A in us. Mm-hmm. Um, we love controlling things, yes. but the hard part is admitting that there are some things we just cannot control. And I think your tip of writing down what you can and can't control, like really makes it visible for you. So you can at least like direct your energy where, you know, it'll make a difference versus just like running into a wall repeatedly because some things we can't fix. Exactly. Exactly. So here is where I'm at. So I was late to this call because um, my son has been begging me for a whole week to FaceTime his four-year-old best friend from daycare. And he, I was like about to walk down here to record this and he came in and he's crying and he's like, please, we've said every night that we can call my friend and 
every night we've had a reason we can't we're late it's you know stuff got late whatever and so tonight I was like okay buddy here's the phone you call your friends and I gave him what he needed in that moment and even though he was only on with him for five minutes or something it was what he needed at the moment and I felt like horrible being late we also got some terrible news from work today and so it's just like been crappy all around but I actually feel a lot better (laughs) like that it's like okay like I gave him what he needed I like can forgive myself for being late to this and it's what I can control and it's what I can't control. I can't control what my work's going to do. I can't control when they're going to pay me. I can't control the fact that all this is happening, but I could control that my son needed this moment and I was able to give it to him, even though it meant that I was late And that's okay. And we forgive you. (laughs) That's like my takeaway from today. Yeah. (laughs) And you were circle amazing thing. This was perfect. And you made his day. Like that's the other thing for these kids. It's so simple. They don't realize what's going on. And even when they do, it's so simple to them. Life is still so simple to them that they don't have to worry about all the things we do. That's something so small. Like he literally talked to his friend for five minutes, probably about like the color of his new truck or something random. And that's all. He showed him yeah, his toys. That's it. And they sh- they show each other that's, their toys. On that's FaceTime. what my kid does with their preschool <laughs> class too. They're like, look at my new truck. And then they're done. They don't even care anymore. Uh-huh. But that fills their little heart. And then from that, like, I know I can tell that it filled your heart up. And, you know, that's all you can do. You were a good mom. And, you know, this at the end of the day is trivial. Like podcasting is trivial to family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Remember, not everything is equal. You have to prioritize. You can't say everything is equally equal. It's not, you will be overwhelmed. And when you have a podcast, and I have a podcast too, I know how important they are, but when you have a podcast and your son, you have to say, what is my value? My value is my son comes first. doesn't mean the podcast doesn't matter. It matters, but I have to prioritize or I will not be sane. And you prioritize based on your values and see how you felt. You felt better. Totally. And I love, I love that because a lot of people always say like, oh, you can have everything and you can, you just can't have it all at once because at the end of the day, your percentages have to add up to a hundred. So if everything's a hundred percent, that doesn't make sense. Something's going to be zero. So you have to like, think of it as a pie and split your time and it can change, you know, how your, your, uh, 401 or your bank rebalances every quarter. Like sometimes things rebalance and things become more important, but you have to give yourself grace and realize that, you're not going to give 100% to work, 100% to family, 100% here, here, and here. You just have to prioritize where your you know, majority of your percent goes tonight versus tomorrow night. Exactly right. I love right. it. Thank you so much. Thank you. So, Rachel, you gave us some really amazing tips and tricks, and you really touched our hearts, and we appreciate you so much for joining us and sharing all that with our listeners. If our listeners want to follow you or check out what what else you have to offer? Where can they do that? So I have, like I said, the podcast, which is called Your Parenting Long Game. And then I'm on social media, Facebook and Instagram at Rachel Daily Parenting. And then my website has a lot of, it has some free resources on there as well. And that's rachel-bailey.com. Amazing. I'm following you everywhere right now. Wonderful. Thank you. (laughs) This was such a pleasure. What was your podcast called again? It's called Your Parenting Long Game. Got it. I'm adding you right now. Yeah, literally, I'm adding you everywhere. Oh, you're so sweet. What's your address? Probably <laughs> <laughs> yours. I'll come. I'll come help you with the kids. Oh, that's true. We're from the same area. Yeah, exactly. That's amazing. Yeah. So awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rachel, for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It was a treat. 
So we ask our listeners the same couple questions. Some of them are anesthesia related, so we'll spare you from those. But what are you binging on right now? Obviously, now's a really good time to binge either reading or Netflix. Yeah, I'm working a lot right now. I'm not, I'm not doing so much of the binging. My husband and I are watching that Netflix show, Love is Blind. We're watching that pretty much. Oh my God, oh, Jessica. Worse. My husband totally judged me for suggesting no. we Listen, watch that you show. Need to he watch totally it. shot it it's out. It's so heartwarming <laughs> in the beginning, and at the end, it's a complete train wreck. It is. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Just like how every yes. good no, show but they starts. like totally hook you because you're like, this is so sweet. Mm-hmm. I want to go fall in love in a pod. And then at the end, you're like, oh, Christ, like, this is why you don't fall in love in a pond. It's, it's amazing. the best description ever. Yes, yeah. I loved it. I haven't gone into that, like, weird kitty kitty show yet. You need the really, one? Yes, I'm, like, really intrigued. Yeah, no. I'm oh. really intrigued. I Ellen, how have you one. not watched it? That's Honestly, I'll tell you, it. it's not because I don't want to. It's legitimately, I haven't had the time to. I really want to sit down and do it. But every single night I've been so busy doing other things that every night by the time I'm like, oh, I should watch it. It's like 11. I'm like, oh, it takes zero that? brain cells. You can do anything else while you watch it. Can I? No, but that's my thing. Can I watch it and yes. do other things? So it's yes. not like I have to pay attention. No. Oh my God. I was, uh, all right, I'm going to do it tonight. I'm so excited because the Hey Kitty Kitty or like Hey Kitty Friends or whatever people keep talking about. I'm like, God, this is like right up my alley. Yeah. You'll get all of it very soon. (laughs) Okay. And then our last question is what do you have any good mom hacks for us? Like we already talked about a lot of different parenting tips, but like as a mom, like what, like is your like secret sauce to get you through the day? Uh, my secret sauce is that like alcohol or something like that. <laughs> could no. be. That's a good mom hack. That's mine. But how about? Yeah, that's Ellen's yeah, mom so hack. I love it. Wine. I was lazy before you hopped on. I was saying that like my rule book, I threw it out the window after week three of stay at home momming. So now I just like whenever I'm thirsty, I'm like, now's a good time to crack alcohol because, um, you know, you have to. Some days like today, I'm like, it's not even <laughs> noon yet. I need one immediately. <laughs> I told my husband yesterday, I was like, when this is done and we have this baby, because Rachel, I'm oh, due in like six oh, wow. weeks. When when this is done and the restaurants reopen, I'm just going to plant my bottom on the patio of the Mexican restaurant and they're just going to bring me an endless supply of oh, yes. chips. That sounds and amazing. Chips. <laughs> yeah, so and chips. So tell, <laughs> tell us your hack. Tell us your hack. I, you know, I think yeah. right now, especially my hack is, so I'm doing a lot of these like podcasts and webinars and things that I don't ever do one of these and then go right out to my kids. I actually take five or 10 minutes to myself, whether it's like, I'm from Jersey. So Ellen, you'll get this, whether it's like listening to Bon Jovi or doing like doing something mindless or (laughs) exactly. Or like watching 10 minutes of a show. If I went right from working to my kids who are going to jump on me as soon as I come out, I think my brain would just explode. So I just take a couple minutes decompress before that's probably how I'm managing right now. That's my hack. That's that's really smart. Yeah. Because then you're all you're just overstimulated. It's just too totally, much. yeah. And I can't do it. And then I'm like, they come up to me, and I'm like, "What are you doing?" And you don't mean <laughs> yeah. to be, you know, yeah. jumping on me. So now is a good time to go watch Kitty Kitty. Totally, I think I think I've been inspired. <laughs> it would take zero brain cells, Chris. I don't know what kind of endorsement that was, if that was good or bad. But zero brain cells, I'm in. It's Check something back everyone back can get on board with. That's yeah. what it was. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Cool. All right. Well, this was amazing. Rachel, thank you so much for chatting with us. And we might have to have you back again because you're pretty amazing. Oh, you're so sweet. I would love to be back anytime. Yeah. Take care. Thank you so much. Bye.